All right, Brian. So I had this idea to talk about living with anxiety, kind of like living with anxiety today. And and I know you're kind of like on board with it, but I kind of wanted to just talk about it because I go through anxiety every day. Like every day I wake up, I'm anxious. And I know that's kind of (laughs) weird. And I don't think that everyone deals with that. But I just wanted to kind of like share like my journey with it, because I think today, especially in these kind of times that people are going through this a lot. I think it's very timely. And I think people, whether they would admit it or not, really would love to hear what you have to say, man. Yeah. So let's uh, riff on this a little bit and talk about this today as we talk about living with anxiety on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Brian. And this is Josh. Welcome to Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends whose mission is to guide you through a changing world by helping you level up your contextual awareness, collaboration, and problem-solving skills. Our conversations explore, examine, and reframe practical topics that help you learn something new and apply what you already know in a new way. If you guys find these conversations helpful, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and rate us. Also, please leave a review so others can join the community. And you can, as always, find us on curiositycontinuum.com and all of our socials. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start our conversation. All right, Josh. So living with anxiety is the name of the episode. So for those people just tuning in for the first time, I'm not going to restate the intro. It sounds like I'm... (laughs) Yeah. For those tuning in for the first time. Josh has had a couple of episodes where he's kind of lifted the veil a little bit more on some of the things on a more personal level that's very practical for a lot of the population, especially things uh, seeking help with mental illness and, you know, kind of living with uh, like different social anxieties and how to best cope with them. This is another episode that's going to help just have Josh share from where he's at personally, and hopefully you'll find it useful as well. Yeah, and I, I do like talking about this, especially now that I'm older. When I was younger, I did not want to talk about this at all. And I think that's a common kind of sentiment in the United States, especially. We look at anything with anxiety or mental illness as kind of a stigma. Right, Brian? We do. I think even still, too, people go, oh, there must be something dramatically wrong. But th- they have these assumptions and they kind of layer on conditions at that point. right. You know, it's kind of like going on the internet and trying to self-diagnose. It's never a good idea. <laughs> Go on WebMD <laughs> when you have a pain in your side and all of a sudden you have cancer, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of, oh, I just hit my side in my sleep or something. Yeah. Maybe it might have been the doorknob I just ran into, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I kind of wanted to start off just by saying, if you are suffering anxiety, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Sometimes I know it feels like you're not. And it really feels like a real physical pain or a real physical thing you're going through. And sometimes you might not be able to do it by yourself. So I think I'm going to link out to a bunch of like help for people like with uh, national like NAMI, the uh, Association for Mental Illness, National Association for Mental Illness. And like like even like headspace.com because they're offering like free stuff right now if you want to talk to somebody that's not in your family. Uh, I'm going to link all to that in the description before we really start the conversation. Because some people can't handle this on their own and they need help. And we encourage you to to seek that help, please. And I mean, I talk to people every every couple of weeks. I talk to somebody too. I mean, that's not Brian. And he, I mean, that's going to come as a 
big, you know, surprise to Brian. Probably you talk to other people. I talk to other people, but no, I mean, <laughs> I talk to professionals as well, and I don't think that's a sign of weakness. I think that's a sign of strength. Saying that, yes. look, I need help sometimes just to kind of like organize my thoughts and get it that it's not my wife who I love dearly, but a family member sometimes or a, f- a close friend is not a good person to talk to sometimes for this kind of stuff or you can talk to them but talk to someone else as well they're going to have a perspective that's not emotionally wrapped up in your personal life and they're going to have something where they're that extra voice which is everything that josh and i actually strive to do on this podcast and for any guests we bring on we want to kind of be that outside voice to you to help you kind of integrate the information now that that's all said and done, and I just wanted to kind of like put that out there that we're going to do that because I think that's important to have resources available for if you need them. Also, if you guys you know want to talk to me, you know, feel free to email us or go on our social media accounts, direct message us. We'll answer to you, you know, and, and at that point, if somebody's having an issue and they need to talk to somebody, like if they want to talk to me, I'll even go all so far to, you know, I'll give you my personal um you know, contact information where you can get a hold of me. If we, if it gets to that point, I'm willing to do that for people. So I know how important it is. Some people did that for me when I really needed it. And it really uh, mattered to me. You know, I wake up every day with anxiety every day, no matter if I'm off of work or I'm, I'm not, I'm like on vacation. It's different levels though. So there's this level of anxiety I wake up with on Monday. I think a lot of people do. Because that's my first day of work for the week where I don't really want to get to work. (laughs) I don't want to go. And I'll think of like a billion reasons not to go. But most of the reasons that I do think to go, I'm like, well, I need money. I need to pay my bills. So I need to go. And once I'm there, I'm fine. It's just getting there. So I think for me anyway, it's just a starting. And I know a lot of people that's an issue, right, Brian? Because the culture doesn't reward weakness quote unquote, in a way, right? there's a weird, let's talk, let me just say two different sides of this. Thing. Yeah. One is like, you hear the message of play to your strengths, maximize your strengths. These are the things you should recognize and do. Right. And don't worry about your weaknesses. Right. And that's one message. The other message is this disingenuous, I'm a broken person and we're all broken. I don't mean to denigrate uh, brokenness in people, but everybody, if you've looked at social media and you see the people trying to be quote authentic, it's disingenuous in a lot of ways. Right. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in their It's the lives. things, it's the weakness you want to share. It's right. really the things that you don't want to share that you feel like people are going to look at you sideways. Or am I going to lose my job? Am I going to stress out my marriage or whatever like that? Those are actually the things that are bigger issues that need to be brought to the front with somebody as a lifeline to talk to you. Right. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. Like, I'm just trying to like tell you what I go through on a normal day so that you can know, like, look, this is how I deal with it. And I get on and I move on. And it does. And I mean, honestly, there are those days that I feel like, you know what, I'm just going to call work and tell them I'm not coming in today. Nine, 99 times out of 100, I go into work and I'm fine once I get there. And it's it's start the day because no one else knows the struggles you're going through unless you tell them. I mean, I can kind of tell sometimes when some people are going through some things, but what you perceive is everyone else looking at you and judging you 
is not really happening all the time. And that's a big thing, especially in my mind. And I know like for a lot of people that they think that other people care all the time. Like they're always looking at you. They're always judging you. They're always doing this. They're not. They're just trying to go through their own life. They're trying to get to their own thing. You know, maybe this morning they had their kids freaking out before they went to school or, you know, they, they left a science project sitting on the table at home where it's totally off the rails for them as well. So I want you to know that like everyone goes through things every day. And I think that's important to understand that it's not just you, it's everyone. And once you understand that, and I know Brian's going to chime in here a little bit, but once you understand that, I think that it helps you to cope with your own level of anxiety and to know that it'll get better. So let's talk about your getting to the other side. And we'll, let's use the work mm-hmm. example. What did you do? Because there's the, I recognize the problem, and you say there's a solution, and there's that middle point that you have to cross over, yes. which is the big question mark in a lot of business plans or life lessons and everything else. Exactly. Like, here's the middle. So let's talk about your work life and say you know you're feeling the anxiety about maybe what the stresses are for that day. And then you go and you know it's okay. How did you get over and how do you continually get over that hump? Because some people, it builds right. up so high and it gets don't the better know what to of, do. Yeah, it gets yes. the better of them. So honestly, see, I dealt with this way early in my life where on like now that I'm over 40, I think I have an advantage with it. I think a lot of people develop this later in life, especially in their like 30s. Once they have kids, they start developing this anxiety. I had this anxiety when I was like eight years old, <laughs> nine years old. You know, I had this anxiety when, when like Brian and I were in sixth grade and I was starting to get like depressed and all that kind of stuff. I had this anxiety then. That's part of the reason I got that way. So I learned to live with that. And like Brian was saying, like that, that hump you go over. So for me, it was literally just doing it, just doing the thing that I needed to do. I looked at what, what did I need to do? So it was like, I needed to go to school. That was my job at the time. And there was, there was several weeks where I didn't go to school every day. You start getting into a pattern. And I think that the pattern is important because when you start getting into the pattern of doing something wrong or something that you're not supposed to do, it's easier to keep doing it. So what I found is when I do the pattern the way I'm supposed to, like I got up, I went to school, I came home, I did my homework, I did all that stuff. I did it again and again and again. And then I had my days off. I actually looked forward to my days off from work or from school at that point. But if you keep letting it go and you keep slipping where you don't go every day or you don't do what you're supposed to do and you know what you're supposed to do. I know everyone knows like, look, you need to do this, this, and this because that's what we need to do. I mean, you need to do something in life, right? If you don't do it, it gets easier not to do it. You know what I mean? You build the habit of the familiar. Yeah, exactly. And it gets, and it's easier to tell the lie to yourself oh, this is okay now. Because look, I didn't go to school or I didn't go to work for three days. I came back and no one cared I was gone. It's okay. I don't need to keep going. You know, you're going to pay dividends for that later. You know, and you're going to pay issues with that later if you don't keep going and just doing what what you know is right. And I know that everyone knows what's right to do. Like I go to work every day. I have paid time off too and I love it. But 
when I go to work and I come home, I do feel fulfilled after I did it. I'm like, you know what? I did something important today. And I think that's important, like for your family too, you know, it's important for you to have that familiar, that kind of pattern, that routine, because people are that, that, that creature's a habit, right, Brian? Yes. And it's important that people understand that you have a purpose. It may not be as public as some people. It may not be as high paid as some people, but it doesn't mean it's any less noble. You have a purpose. Accountability is a really important thing too. That can come in the form of a family member, a friend, or a counselor. Somebody that's going to ask you the tough question and require you to be honest. Because that only then can you really start making an assessment of things and make improvements on them. Right. And that's, that's the deal. You need to be honest with yourself. And you need to like come to that place where you're not lying to yourself anymore. It's easy to lie to yourself. I think a lot of people do it, you know, like you're trying to lose weight and you're just like, look, I'm going to have that, you know, I'm going to have that donut because I want it. <laughs> I'm doing good this week. Look, I'm only like 295, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying to get, you know, I've lost three pounds. You're going to have that donut. All of a sudden you're 305 and you're like, well, that donut really added a lot of weight. Well, no, you've been doing that 10 times a day for the last week. You know, you've been like saying you've been lying to yourself. So to come to that, you need to have that mea culpa. And by mea culpa, if you're not familiar with that term, it's not looking inward to yourself and saying and saying and being honest with yourself. That is 90% of the battle with the battle with anxiety for me anyway. And that is being honest with myself. And there's, there's a different phrase and we use it often is, are you doing good? Or are you doing not that bad? And right. depending where you grew up, sometimes, hey, hey, how is it? Not bad not, or not that bad? Not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it may mean good, but really, there's a big difference. If you're saying, I'm really doing well, or it's like, I'm not doing that bad. I mean, there's right. actually, you, people will say, if you're not doing bad, then you must be okay. But that's not okay. No. And I think, uh, especially in this year we're in, is when you say, I'm not doing that bad, it's actually a really good thing for a lot of people. Because they're starting to deal with a lot of emotional issues and a lot of things all at once. And I know that um, I've talked to younger people and they're like, this is the worst year ever. I said, well, how so? You know, what is bad about it for you? And then we start talking and I'm like, well, you know, there were other years that were probably bad too, but you just didn't have, you know, you didn't have the actual wherewithal of what was going on. Maybe you were too young or for you, it was okay. You know, you weren't in the workforce yet, or you were doing something totally different that was, you know, secluded from what was happening. But now it seems like because of the pandemic situation, you know, in the United States, it's a political year and we become more, uh, less tolerant of others kind of in a way, um, you're either with them or you're not, you know, that kind of thing. So it's kind of all that stuff put together, you know? We always teach contextual awareness on this podcast. And so if somebody says, you say, how you doing? And they say, I'm doing good. You should always ask compared to what, you know, or I'm not that bad. So, you know, if like you had a a bad year and then you have a a year that's not great, but average, you can say much better than last year. (laughs) Well, if last year was like a dumpster fire, that's your context. That really matters. Josh, I have a question for you too. When you said that anxiety kind of entered at the eight, nine years old, was that around the time that you actually moved 
to Monticello, same hometown? Yeah. So I we moved 1987, and what, we met in 88, right? I believe so. Or 87 or 88, we met. So yeah, it was about that time, but I had anxiety before that, I think. Um, we were going through, but I didn't really like notice it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a correspondent, because we met, we, it was actually, we did meet in 87 because we were starting our third grade year. I'll harken back to third grade then, that fateful year, when Josh and I started Curiosity Continuum without ever knowing we started Curiosity <laughs> Continuum. <laughs> the seeds of it were planted then. What types of things were, were in your mind? Because at that point, it's not like, hey, you know, I'm going to drive to my friend Josh's house. We're going to hang out because you don't have a license. And sometimes you don't know everybody's number because it wasn't like you could just text somebody, you know? What did your days look like then where you're going like, man, like I really started to see that you were managing something that became your normal, but wasn't normal. You mean like my everyday day? <laughs> yeah. So pre-move to Minnesota, post-move. So, okay. So we did live in Minnesota before 1987. We just lived in St. Paul, Arden Hills area. So like when I moved from Minnesota, so we moved from in 1985, 83. Three, I think we moved to, uh, yeah, I was only five. So in 1983, we moved to Arden Hills. So we moved there. My dad went to school. I remember that actual kind of move a little bit because I had to help. I helped move in stuff, which I didn't help. You know, I'm like five years old. I wasn't helping. I was probably more of a hindrance to my dad than anything. But um, my brother was sick. I remember that. So my brother had to go to the hospital when we moved. And my youngest brother was with my mom because he was only one and a half, you know? And so my other brother was three and I was five. Yeah, that's about right. So I helped my dad move in that we got into there. And then um, when we, you know, we lived there for like around three, three and a half years, I think. And then we moved to Monticello and that is 1987. I remember, you know, we moved there. So from there to there, that was a big change because I got my own room, went from a two bedroom apartment to a three, you know, four bedroom house, <laughs> which is a huge change. And I got my own room because I was the oldest, which was only a 10 by 10 room. But for me, it was huge. You yeah. Know? And I was like, hey, this is great. I get my own room. <laughs> I thought the house was so big that I made like a little map of the house, you know, to like get around. Well, to get around. <laughs> um, so I remember that a lot. And then I went to school. You know, and and it was a whole different school. And it also was interesting because I had two years of first grade. So I did one year of first grade in Arden Hills, and I did another year of first grade in Arden Hills, and then we moved. So when I moved to Monticello, it was my first, my first grade was second grade, but no one knew that I had two years of first grade. So I just kind of like kept it on the down low, you know? So I think a lot of my anxiety started there where I had to like, because I either, I don't know if it was a perceived failure on my part. Um, I do remember begging my parents not to hold me back the second year of first grade, right? I do remember that. And they're like, no, you need to be held back because look, you're not reading well and you need to, you need more work. And they were honest with me. And I don't know if it was really like, Looking back on that, I don't know if it's like really good to tell like a six year old, you know, 
hey, uh, you know, you need to, you need more work in reading, and you need more work in social skills. That's a difficult you know? message because there's not there's not adult reasoning skills with that. No, and, you know, and, and f- to give an insight uh, for folks here, just so you kind of know where where Josh is at, because there's uh, a lot of folks where like they they did repeat a grade or something like that. Uh, Albert Einstein being one of them, who it was the fifth grade I think Albert Einstein failed or something like that. Where right, Josh of all the friends <laughs> as we were preparing for the ACTs <laughs> back in the day. We were doing practice tests. We were in the study groups and we were doing the thing. You think Josh did any of that? No. And we're like, man, we're going to go out and kill this thing. And it's like, we go out there and then Josh just shows up on test day and beats us all by two points. It's like, you really do. <laughs> like you did that to us. I'm like, imagine if I studied. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But part of that is my anxiety. I think I would get so anxious before tests that I, if I studied, I would do worse. Interesting. And so if I didn't study, I remember, I could remember things better and it would just come to me and I'm like, oh, well, this is the way I'm doing this. You know, I work really hard on my everyday, my day to day work. But when it came to tests, I very rarely studied. That's that's interesting. And that even, even pulled me even through college. I very rarely studied for tests. Hmm. Yeah. I, I would say for myself, I always kept up on my daily work and did very well, made sure I understood it. Right. In college, I had a very specific thing that I did, especially like for finals. I would actually like page through my notes three times, but I would only do it like, like I'd page through it like twice for the day one. And I kind of mark things and day two, I'd kind of review it. Day three, I was kind of like, I, I got this. And then I'd take a nap. Right. Well, it's good to sleep on things. Yeah. Cause you do go and rest it. Also when you sleep, there's a big thing that happens where like things become easier. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like your body just kind of filing in a way in a way that's easy to remember and pull out from it or if it's just because it's 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 a natural thing I think everybody does. Um and it it, it happens a lot. And when you sleep on something, that's why you say sleep on it. That's that old term because you do understand stuff better. You're approaching it without all your mental resources exhausted at the time. Yeah, and you're not approaching it with on a level of think of pure fact where this is just, you're, you're not putting your emotions into it, which I think is important to try to like disassociate some emotion from some things at some points. And I think that's important, especially when you're like, test taking, for example, you don't need that. You don't need that with you. There's importance to recognize emotion, which my wife continually reinforces in me to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also too, cause I'm such a, a truth person and such a, you know, here's the information type of person, but, and there's both end because you can emotionally feel so strongly about a lie and it's important to recognize that. And you could also be the one pounding truth and justice and forget the person and what they've experienced, what they're going through. And it's really a both end situation for that, especially when it comes to things like working through your anxiety. There's the real truth of something. And then there's also the emotional quotient that goes into it and it's a both and world when you start to acknowledge that you start to gain more empathy toward others and where they're struggling where they come from and you realize boy not everybody in the world has it together in fact the world doesn't have it together this is a news <laughs> no. flash if you think they do <laughs> you know and yeah. some places aren't safe to share and sometimes it's their own home and that's unfortunate but there are safe places for that and so please if you're living with anxiety in, in any way, you need to talk to somebody. 
uh, Josh, we're going to put some links in the show notes, right, to, yeah. for some places. Yep. So w- there's a couple that you uh, were, we know I've talked about before. What are some of those just by name that you can mention right now? Um, I know we're going to do, I'll do a link to NAMI, which is the National Association for Mental Illness and Mental Health, which is a group of basically professionals that work for little or no money. And they just work at getting people resources that they need for when they need them. And that's a great, it's a, it's a really a new thing kind of, honestly. And it's really come about because of what's going on in our society, uh, in the world right now today. It's really, um, caught space. And then, uh, I want us want to put a link out to headspace.com. If you feel more comfortable talking to actually somebody talking to you, they are offering free, uh, psychological sessions now, like free mental health sessions with an actual mental health professional. And so I think for everybody, they can get like three or four sessions for free. That's so fabulous. That's, that's good. Yeah, exactly. And you can, you know, and, and that's great. Also going to put out a link if you're, if your company does it, I don't know if a lot of companies do this. I know that a lot of companies in the, in the government space do this where they have, it's called EAP, which is uh, employee assistance programs. And lots of companies have that. So we'll put out links to those and at least a national page where you can go look and see if your company is in there. Cause I think that's important for people to have at least some resources to reach out to. Absolutely. Uh, probably a good place to put a comment in the conversation and hope that you would reach out to some of the organizations that we have listed in the show notes and talked about here. Talk to a loved one, talk to someone that's willing to listen to you uh, and and uh, work through those things. We all have it. We all have it to different degrees in different areas of our life. Please, please, please. Uh, don't, don't live with it needlessly. You may need to work, learn to work the through things like Josh has in many ways. Just please, you know, work out, you know, reach out to somebody because, you know, people are important. Yeah. And, you know, world's better with everyone in it. So let's keep it there. Sounds good, Josh. Let's put a comma here, I guess, till next time, huh? Yeah. Let's do it. This is uh, Josh. And this is Brian. For Curiosity Continuum. 